Hi, so my name is Lorraine Lee and I'm going to talk this morning about I hope God can use me. Now I'm going to change that slightly to a subsequent question which is when you feel I hope God can use me there's also can God use me? That's the inherent question within that. Now, right at the beginning, I want to answer that. I'm not going to wait to the end because maybe you have just tuned in and you've got two minutes and you have heard the question, can God use me? And you just want an answer. And then we're going to work back from there. So if you've got two minutes, here's the answer. Yes, God can use you. He wants to use you. He will use you. So that is our starting point. And now we're going to work back and show exactly why and how that all builds together in stories from the Bible, in what we know of God, and in what's happening in people's lives today. But the core thing is, yes, God wants to use you. If you're hoping God can use you, the answer is yes, he can use you. Now, for me, this is really linked to our understanding of what God did when he actually made you. So if you could appreciate how breathtaking you are, and how nuanced you are, and how much detail is in not just the skin and bones and the structure of your physical body but the essence of you if you can appreciate that God took time to make you different from me different from your siblings totally different from your siblings um, different from your neighbors different from your work colleagues if you can appreciate that God has made all of that different and taken the time and the enjoyment to make you a unique person, then it's not a massive leap to see that he would not want to waste that, that it is something that is so highly designed and precious and breathed into, breathed into and being full of life that God wants to use it. He wants to use you. You are created and made for purpose. And the rest of our time this morning is going to be spent talking about that. So you should be excited and I want you to feel excited. I think God has an excitement over us because he knows what he's put into us in the first place. We get this revealed over time as we grow and as we spend more time with God and meet people and just develop as a person. But he knows right from the beginning what is in the inside of us. So the issue then becomes, if I'm stating that this is a fact, the issue for us becomes getting that off the paper as kind of a cold fact that yes God can use me into something which is alive and burning in your heart that yes yes God can use me and he does use me on a daily basis how do we get it from a fact in a book into a living breathing thing in our hearts because it's what's in our hearts that determines our actions and our speech All of that comes from what's in our hearts and many of us will know that the Bible says that it is out of the overflow of what's in your heart that your mouth speaks. So we want our hearts to be full of the knowledge of God, of knowing who he has made us to be, how he has made us and that he has made us for purpose. So I'm going to look at three things in um, my talk about I hope God can use me or the question can God use me. I'm going to look at evidence and truth, obstacles and distractions to that and expectations and actions. 
So looking at evidence and truth then, I'm going to take a look at past evidence and present evidence. And the question that we're looking for here is, is it true that God can use me? So when I'm talking about evidence and truth, we're kind of starting with the premise of, yes, we believe it's true, but where is the evidence for that? Can I actually stand on that and rely on it? So when we look at some past evidence, we're going to dig into the Bible and say, well, hey, what about the people who were around Jesus at the time? What about the people who were in the early church? What did God say to them? And what did Jesus do with them and say to them when he was here? So the first thing is when we look in Acts chapter 13, um, Paul begins to put some sort of historical context around the person of Jesus. And as he's doing that, he spends a bit of time talking about King David. And one of the really profound things that he says there, which is really profound to me, is God testified concerning him. This is meaning David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So how amazing is that, that it's, God is testifying that I have found David. He's the son of Jesse. That's who he's related to. But he is a man after my own heart. So here's his kind of earthly connection. But then here's the divine bit that's working on the inside of him, which is he's a man after my own heart and he's going to do everything we want him to do. So that's the first indication to me that God is looking for people. He finds people and he finds people that are after after his heart and then instantly he wants to use them because it says he will do everything I want him to do it becomes an active thing it's not passive and I think that that pattern is repeated a lot in the Bible which is God impacts a life and then immediately that life has a story to tell he wants to use that life he wants to use the impact he's just had on it and the impact he's going to go on to have on it in the, in that life and so for me personally that's really encouraging because it means I don't only have a story of the first time God impacted my life but I have a story every day of how God's impacted my life, big and small. I have a story to tell and that story can be used. That story comes out of personal experience and it can be used. So um, several years ago, quite a few years ago, when I worked in business, I worked for a really large corporation. And in that corporation um, were a lot of very, very highly paid people who did quite really big jobs. And um, I was kind of part of this team, this kind of really high energy, high kind of business orientated um, team. And on a Monday morning, everybody would talk about what they had done on the weekend. And they had done such amazing things because they had obviously big things, yachts, boats, all of that kind of stuff, spending a colossal amount of money every weekend and things that sounded really great and fun but things which were quite different from my weekend experience so when they'd ask me well what did you do at the weekend I would say I went to church and I went to church and this guy preached he was from America and this is what he said and I would just tell them how it had impacted me I didn't go through the whole preach I'd say to them things like and it made me think about this or I reflected on that and I realized this about my own life I just told the story and it would be amazing the impact out of all of the things that were spoken about the most questions the most um, curiosity always came with the things that I said despite on the outside those being the least 
material value, they obviously had the greatest eternal value because I was talking about things that had impacted me that people of God had actually said. So it seems God impacts a life and then he gives that life a story and the story changes lives. So let's have a look at um, a really key character in the Bible who demonstrates this and I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19 verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed in a tree since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. But all the people sat at this began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come into this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now, I love the story of Zacchaeus because he's a guy, he had all kinds of social issues, all kinds of social problems. Nobody really liked him. But on the outside, he had everything because he had become wealthy of the back of things he had stolen from other people. So on the outside, he probably had all the possessions. He probably had the, you know, current day equivalent of the best car, the best house, the best clothes, the best brands, all of that kind of stuff he probably had going on. But the issue was that his external world looked like it was sorted. But internally, there were major problems with Zacchaeus. He was a thief. He was dishonest. He was corrupt. And as a result of that, people did not like him. But day he met Jesus, the day he was willing to come down and to invite the light into his darkness, which was all of the things that he had done. I'm sure he knew that Jesus would instantly know his whole life. But the minute he said yes to that, what happened to him is that he was impacted and transformed. And immediately we begin to see God using him. Immediately his actions are changed. So he's like, I'm going to give back the stuff and I'm going to give back more than what I took. So the people surrounding him had been once impacted by his greed, but now God was using him to impact them with his generosity and with his kindness and with him making up for the things that he had done. And nowhere explicitly does it say that it was pointed out to Zacchaeus all the steps he should take and what he had done wrong. So the impact of Jesus encountering your life and breathing into you, touching you, just talking to you, changes things in your life and that change has an immediate impact on others so as we go on we'll talk a little bit more about gifts and things like that but right near the beginning I do actually want to say that it's the 
impact of God on your life, which means he can use you. It's not being an extrovert, being loud, having this, having that. They are all peripheral things. It is the nature of God at work in your life that gives you the story and that has a supernatural impact on other people. And that is why he can use us. He uses us because he is inside us because he fills us. And that's what happened to Zacchaeus on that day, despite everything that he had done. And interestingly enough, despite the fact that people were already gossiping about the situation as the situation was taking place. In 1 Samuel 6, verse 7, it says, the Lord says to Samuel, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So that on one hand, you can be really relieved by that, which means that, okay, God's looking at my heart so he can see the things that other people can't see and he can do things with that stuff. But it's also really sobering because it means that you have to have your heart submitted to God. And that can be a really hard step, but that is part of the process of being used by God. The thing about Zacchaeus is that when he was impacted, he immediately had a story. So moving on to look at somebody else in the Bible or another situation in terms of past evidence, if we look at the healing of the paralytic, I love this story as well because Jesus comes into an area, he comes to Capernaum and what happens is a crowd gathers as it would because he's quite, he's got quite a reputation by this point of um, doing amazing things, also being challenging, changing lives. So a massive crowd gathers and these four friends of a guy who is paralyzed, they realize that we have got to get our friend in front of Jesus. That's our job for today. We've got to get our friend in front of Jesus. And what we can do for our friend is we can bring him. We can do for our friend something he can't do for himself. We are going to take him to Jesus. So obviously they, when they get there, they realize that oh, there's a massive crowd. We can't get him really easily in front of Jesus. But instead of giving up, what they do, the story goes on to tell us in the Bible, is that they basically, they climb onto the roof of where he is and they pick away at the roof. They, they make a hole and they lower him down in front of Jesus. And then the story goes on to talk about profound things that happen. The man is healed, uh, viewpoints are challenged. Jesus reveals so much about his authority and who he is. But the thing that I love about this, it's the supporting actors that win the day, that have the main role. It's the friends that actually get him there. And, and in this case, it was four friends, but sometimes it's one friend it's you or it's me. We're the friend. We're the, we're the person who is crucial in the story for getting someone and helping them to get to a place where Jesus can actually touch their lives. I love that. It's the friend. So can, can God use me often seems like a huge thing. What massive thing can I do? But those friends, they just loved their friends and they took him somewhere where he couldn't go and couldn't get on his own. And because of that, God broke in and impacted the whole area area and as I say went on to reveal who he was and to challenge um, restricted viewpoints that people had about who Jesus could be. So that one act which started with a group of friends just being loyal and caring. It's a very powerful tool to be a friend. It's no small thing to actually um, be a friend. So let's look at some present evidence. So I want to show you a video 
And the reason I want to show you this video is because I want us to see that these stories about how Jesus impacts a life and that life begins immediately to have an impact on others. They are not just for the days of the Bible. They are happening around us currently all the time. So I want to show you this video. Um, it's from a, it's been done by Jemima Reed, who grew up in the church, now lives in London, but I will let you have a look at the video and then I'm going to interview Jemima afterwards and chat to her a little bit more about her motivations. God gave me compassion for orphan and vulnerable children. God gave me creativity to be a businesswoman. God gave me a voice so I can help others. God gave me his vision to create. God gave me a passion for justice. God gave me ears to listen. God gave me freedom to live fearlessly. God gave me his heart to love the unlovable. God gave me God gave me, God gave me God gave me authority, creativity. God gave me purpose. Listen, live, love the unlovable. I am a woman of faith. So Jemima, welcome. Um, first thing I wanted to say to you is thank you so much for that video. It really blessed me and it really prompted me to want to get in touch with you <laughs> to ask you if you would do this interview. Yeah. So already really what you have done is having a profound effect on people. But I wanted to ask from your point of view, why did you do it? Yeah, so I made the video um, and it just felt really organic. It just came out of time with God. Um, and I just felt like he was just speaking about the subject that I've been passionate about for a while. Um, and it was during the time of lockdown. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do it because it felt kind of yeah. like an empty season. But I felt God just really prompting me and just be like, just go for it. And I was able to include other people in it. And um, yeah, it was just a really fun project. And it was just a way to be creative um, in lockdown, but also just share a message that I'm really passionate about. That's brilliant. Okay, so, so do you feel then that your ability to do that um, in the way that you did it, the mm. way you captured the message from other people, do you feel that that is a gift? And if you do, do you feel it's a gift from God? I do feel it is a gift um, just in the sense of creativity because I feel like every creative gift is from God because yeah. he is the creator. So yeah. I can't really do it without yeah, him, yeah. but I also think it's the fact that I've just put myself in a place of wanting to hear from him and wanting to seek him. And I think yes. that he just does put these ideas onto my lap and it's just such an exciting thing. Um, so yeah, I've just been learning how to like steward that gift that's been given and um, just getting all my creative source from him. Wonderful. So I think you've answered a little bit of the next question, which was just um, how do you water that gift? If you if you think of it as a growing thing, what do you do to nurture it and to and to water it? Because clearly the life of it comes out when you watch something like that video. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think it is just something as simple as seeking God and just always being filled up by him and just making sure that everything you do is never from your own efforts, you're never striving and that you're always being filled up with the Holy Spirit because he will always inspire you and lead you to the next thing. So for me, watering that gift is just seeking God all the time, pursuing him and pursuing his heart because the more that I seek his heart, the more he reveals my heart and the more that I seek his will, the more that my will aligns with him. So yeah. Fantastic. So it's not super complicated, is it? It's not something that, you know, only a few people could do. It sounds like seeking God, spending time with God is pretty much what um, a lot of us could do. Mm. So if people listening and thinking, well, that's okay because she's got this special gift of, you know, cinematography or photography or whatever it is, I can, I can think about it in a specific way, but I don't really feel I've got anything. If someone's feeling that, what would you say to them? Um, I would say just ask Holy Spirit what it is that uh, illuminates your heart and sort of that brings you alive and, and change that you want to see in your community and yeah. in the world. Um, and just ask him, be like, God, what have you placed inside of me? Like, I really don't yeah. know. And just be really vulnerable in that. Um, but yeah, as I said, just seeking God's heart, because I think I never, ha- I never had a, something that I was passionate about or didn't feel I had a gift until... Yeah. I got to know God because the more I got to know him, the more that I got to know myself. So it honestly is just seeking the father and that he will show you who you are and he will just, um, yeah, really outline what he's put on your heart. That's so good, Jemima. Thank you so much. And it's just so encouraging to hear that it's something that anyone can do and that God wants us to do that. So thank you, Jemima. That's brilliant. So what we've looked at there is we've looked at past evidence, some amazing stories in the Bible, stories of friendship, stories of somebody who was obedient and just came down to be encountered, um, to encounter Jesus. And then we've heard Jemima talking about how she uses her gifts and how amazing that she just said that it's just about being with God. And that refers to what to his back to what we said at the beginning, which is it's the life of him. It's recognizing that it's he has created something absolutely remarkable and dynamic and wondrous, breathtaking in you. And if you connect with him, that's what Joanne was saying about being connected to the creator, then creative and good things flow from there, which will impact others. Now, what we want to do is want to make sure that there are no obstacles and no distractions in the way. And I just want to quickly talk about three things which I think in modern life generally can get in the way. So the first one is um, time. So we're going to talk about use of time, comparisons and past failures. Those are the three things we're going to look at. So use of time. The one thing that I want to talk about here is technology. So I feel that technology has a huge number of opportunities and most people would feel that we wouldn't be doing church like this for a start if we didn't have technology um, a lot of people would know that I'm really into um, Mount Everest and I'm really into NASA and I've never been to either of those places but the stuff I have learned about both of them and seen is all online so there are huge opportunities online there are enormous benefits from being online But your phone is a great thing to own, but it is a terrible thing to own you. It's a terrible thing to own you. And it will erode your time without you realizing because you can do, you can what, you can contact people, you can look at people, you can scroll through people's uh, content all day. You can watch TV and then you can watch one episode, two episodes, three episodes, four episodes of something all at the same time. And in that time, 
things can pass us by life people injustice opportunity purpose the 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 the, the prompting of the holy spirit to do something say something speak to somebody so even in transport these days most people's heads are down and they're on their phone who knows who's walking by us during those moment who knows what opportunities of our life just to be used in in a three four minute period of time by God and he's kind of knocking on the door and it's almost like he's got to send you a text message to say can you put your phone down for a minute please because I'd really like to talk to you so what I'm not saying is technology is bad evil rubbish I'm not saying that at all I'm saying we need to be masters of it we need to stay in control of our technology because it saps our time and time is a gift from God when you impact someone life you do that within time when you're used by God you do that within time because that is how God has designed the earth to run so try not to use all of your time looking at somebody else's life and being caught up in that so let's just be smart with our technology um in terms of comparisons that kind of leads on doesn't it because a lot of the comparisons that we make which trip us up come from what we see um online now comparing ourselves to others can bring real crippling paralysis into our lives. And one of the reasons why I really believe it has such a distorting effect on us comparing yourself to somebody else is because it's the absolute opposite of what God designed. So if God wanted there to be only one of every person, he was quite capable of making you a little bit more like the person you're comparing yourself with or giving you some of those gifts and abilities that you might want. It's no accident that you have got the collection of things that you have got. And when we compare ourselves, we we kill that diversity that God sort of pains to create. And that's why it has such a dismantling effect on self-esteem, on confidence, on boldness. It it cripples the message. It is it's contrary to the gospel. The gospel is God has come to say, say seek and save that which was lost. God so loved the world that he sent his son. He didn't say, and then once he sent his son, he made us all exactly the same as each other and away we go. He came to fill who you are. He came to uh, enlighten the dark places in our lives as individuals and then to use us to impact others. That's the exciting piece. So comparison is something which kills that. It locks up our actions and we want to be people who are living in the light so to do that we need to make sure that we are connected with God and we are on top of our thinking when we compare ourselves to somebody else it's like asking God to take all of the variety out of the world and all of the color out of the world and if you opened your window and looked out and it was just gray out there and there was no diversity in creation in structure in anything we'd be really sad and so why would we be thinking that we want God to do that with people we want to be who we are that is what people need they need you and the people around me need me not you and I can't do what you can do and so on and that's the beauty of it that every single person has a place and if you don't fill your place then there's a space and in the kingdom of God we don't want the space we want you to be actually filling it yourself so that's use of time is a distraction comparisons are a distraction in that vein 1 Corinthians 12 verses 14 to 20 says even so the body is not made up of one part but of many now if the 
the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? It doesn't work. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, I really believe that God wants us to nail this as individuals because it releases who you are. And in this day and age, we need the full force of you, the full quantity of you um, bathed in who God is. We need all of you and we don't want anything or anyone wanting or feeling inferior or inadequate to somebody else who's around them whether that person is in the church in their family or just in their peer and friendship group what we need is all of you so that you can help release people to be all of them and it says here in scripture that God is looking for many parts not the same part so there's the truth Now, in Philippians 3, verse 13, if we move on to quickly look at past failures, it says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. That's what Paul says. He needs to say that because there's quite a lot of stuff behind him, which I'm sure he wants to forget. So we've all failed. No, no one has passed the test. If life is a pass fail system, we're all on the fail side all of us. There's only one person who's ever lived who would be able to stand on the pass. I passed life. I passed that test and that would be Jesus. And that's why it is so important that we remember that our lives are hidden in Christ. That's how we get to pass. We are hidden in Christ and we are then seated, placed in Christ, in God. And that's so, so important to remember. So it means we count. It means we're in, we're on the inside. Many people who know me know that I love the Olympic Games. Um, I was a sprinter in my much earlier years. And one of the things about being a sprinter is it's really important to get a good start. So you spend time practicing how to coil all the energy that is going to come out explosively at the start to coil that up into your blocks to be released when the gun goes. Now, because of that, and because it's so pivotal to go at the right time, you can, at times, full start, which means that that energy just twitches just a little bit before the gun goes, and you come out of the blocks before the gun goes, and you get labelled or you get assigned, shall I say, a false start. Now, you can only do two of those. Well, actually, you can only do one. The second time if you do that, and again, you still want a good start the second time round, so it's really hard not to do that again. If you do it again, you're disqualified. You're disqualified and you cannot be reinstated. The race runs without you. You cannot be reinstated. Now, being a Christian is not like that. There are opportunities every day, every hour, every moment. There are opportunities. We get reinstated because of what Jesus has done for us. We get forgiven, we get dusted down, and we are back in the race. So you could have something happen in the morning, and by the afternoon, you could be feeling reconnected, 
back in the race. You could meet somebody in the afternoon and feel, well, I can't really talk to them because look at what happened with my morning. That is not what the Bible says the good news is. You don't have to carry that with you into the afternoon. You might share that with a person, but the burden of it is gone. You can still talk about what God does, the goodness of God and the joy he has put in you even if something happened which was difficult in your life that morning because there are many opportunities. It's not like a false start. You're not out. That's amazing news, which means our past is in our past and we can move forward. Now, finally, to look at expectations and actions. And the question here is, what do we do with the truth? So it's true that God uses us. He wants to use us. He made us for use and for purpose. And he's done it historically and he's doing it day to day. Three things then that we need to bring out of this, being bold, staying connected and bearing fruit. So the Bible says in Luke 11 verse 33, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. So there is a seenness about being a Christian. You cannot be a secret Christian. You have, your light has to shine and impact others and God uses that. So that boldness is not because you're a great person or you've got great clothes or great communication skills. That boldness is because you know who is living on the inside of you and that you understand things like when you walk into a room because of the Holy Spirit, you become the highest authority in the room. You could be surrounded by people who believe all kinds of things, who are not Christians. But when you come because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, something changes. So our boldness, our light on a stand comes from him. And the Bible also talks to us about staying connected to Jesus, staying connected in at the source, because that's how we bear fruit. That's what makes us alive. It's not because we know stuff. It's because we have a connection. We are staying in contact with the source of life and light. So as Jemima says, said in her interview, it's about being close to God. That is how she got a revelation of who she is, what her passion is, how to use it. And even the specific of making that film during lockdown, she just kept saying, it just comes out of time with God. It was amazing how naturally simple that was. So to finish with three um, pieces of scripture that pull together everything that I have said. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power and love and self-discipline. How amazing. It's the spirit of God that does that. It gives us power and love and self-discipline. And it means you are in, you are not out. It doesn't matter what you look like physically, what your past is, you are in. John 15 verse five, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's remember that if we remain in him, he remains in us, we stay connected with the source of life, forgiveness, joy, hope, peace, all of those things, we will bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit will be evident in our life because the Holy Spirit on the inside will be delivering that and it will be coming out of the overflow of our heart where the Holy Spirit is and into our words and our actions. So we will bear fruit. And then finally, 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. And it's in 
all of us. So spend time nurturing it. Count yourself in. Do not let comparisons paralyze you. And remember, the answer to the question is, can God use me? Absolutely, yes, he can, he wants to, he does, he will, and he will continue to do so. So I hope God can use me. Yes, God can definitely use you. Let's pray. So Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that we are not the same as each other, but that on the inside of us, there is something that does join us together and make us one with each other. And that is the saving grace that comes through um, the acceptance of Jesus Christ into our hearts. Thank you so much that he doesn't um, apportion the difference that he makes, but that he's willing to fill us all in our entirety and thank you that out of the impact of that comes our ability to impact others because we are being used by you I want to thank you that we're not limited to who we are what we can say and what we do but that by being invested in our time with you that you radically change the lives of others through us amen